Cargo Cult is a production of Radio Nemo West. Cargo Cult is all about the movies, books, music, and moments that help shape the lifestyle of not only the trucking industry, but also the American obsession with being on the move. What if something just like jumps out in front of you and you have to stop? Don't. What was that? A monster. Host Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn engage in a wild, free-form discussion with folks from both the transportation and entertainment worlds. I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. It's a show that's all about the journey. So far, we're doing fine. Hadn't got caught. And now your hosts, Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn. We're both gamers, you and I. Uh, different kind of gamers, though. Sure. Um, you're a guy who paints models and uh, loves Dungeons & Dragons. And I have since Cthulhu, a young age. RPGs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a fan of that kind of stuff, too. Uh, not at the level that you are, but to call myself not a fan would be a disservice to both you by trying to kind of assign nerddom to you in a way that it doesn't belong to me. OG nerd, baby. I mean, as I say, the paladin dies, and I totally understand that reference. Uh, I also um, uh, owned all four of the Slavers series. As a matter of fact, I love the Slaver series on D&D so much sure, sure, that sure. I ended up getting against the Giants and uh, the Vault of the Drow and Queen of the Demon Web Pits and actually oh, developed those are the OGs, and actually, man, those and actually are the originals. developed my own module for the Night World of Vlad Tolenkov, <laughs> which is one of the eight uh, possible portals that you can enter in the That's uh, exactly the right. Demon Web Pits. Right. So I, I I have a little cred on that street. He knows what he's saying. That's yeah. what he's saying. So I I have. My real cred, though, is a guy who loved Atari, uh, who loved Nintendo, who uh, loved the first PS1, who literally got himself scared by his next-door neighbor, um, Kenny, who would come by the window when I was working on plays at the University of Alabama and would lean in the window and go, which, of course, was the sound of a zombie from the original Resident Evil. Oh, I just thought that was Kenny, man. I just thought that's just something he did. (laughs) He was a pie. I had a neighbor like that once, but very different story. By the way, he was a tech director and also a pyro expert at the University of Alabama, but also at the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. So what I wanted to kind of say, though, was that I would go over to his house and uh, next door, and I would get on the PlayStation, and I would play games. So when he and his wife moved up to uh, Montgomery to go be part of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, I had to get myself a PS1. I had to get myself actually right. a PS2 at the time, where I learned to love Metal Gear Solid, uh, where I learned uh, to love uh, Silent Hill, uh, along with the uh, ongoing Resident Evil series. And I remember when I played the first Resident Evil, Justin, and this is really a, a great story. We had fought our way to the top of this tower where we battled this snake, and it took us over a week to defeat this snake boss at the top of this building. Oh, wow. And we beat it finally, and we're cheering, high-fiving, and then it says, end chapter one. <laughs> You're just like, oh. But, but, but re- at first it was like, what? And then yeah. it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah here yeah. we go. That's kind of the feeling when you when, when you drop it, you not only finish something, or, or, or even when like New Hope part four, you're just right in the middle of the story, you know, you just know that there's more, there's more ahead, there's more after, you're you're in the story. Well, it's the know? way I felt about watching the- You uh, just know it's not done. Uh, you know? Yeah, it's the way I felt yeah. watching the new Jack Ryan series. You know, we got to episode six and I'm like, 
like, man, they're wrapping this up, and we got to episode seven, and I thought, man, the bomb is going to go off, and they're going to either have to deal with it or not deal with it, and then they dealt with it, and then I saw that there were two more episodes ago, and I went, <laughs> buckle up, here we go. So one of the great things at video games and the long form on HBO and the long form on Showtime and Cinemax and countless other platforms, Amazon Prime, as it has proliferated, has been the long form, both video games and on television series, uh, a couple of which you have been um, involved in, sometimes for more than one season as well. So that's something that you know has been a, a big thing. Content is king. It is just recreated entire uh, uh, an entire industry as far as like, I mean, look at 1923 right now. you got Harrison Ford. You know, you've got these major movie stars that are suddenly jumping into the idea that, oh, this is going to be a seven to ten hour movie. You know, I mean, this is what the idea of long form can do for this. And I have a theory about that um, in regards to Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford appearing in that and Sam She's Elliott so appearing yeah, um, yeah, in, yeah. in earlier shows and Kevin Costner. Yeah. None of those people can really open a movie anymore. They really can't give hmm. you, unless the product is right, unless they are supporting high-rated character actors or in a franchise like Indiana sure. Jones, there's no way those films are opening. They can't get the right. kind of... Even the new Blade Runner. I mean, you needed Ryan Reynolds to be able Ryan to Gosling. be... Ryan Gosling. See? All the Ryans All the Ryans. and Chris's yeah, will the just blend the worst, together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but, I mean, you needed Harrison Ford, but you needed the younger you know, exactly. the, the, the thing that could hold the movie up to today. But one of the great things about TV is that it set off two booms. Uh, first of all, older actresses have gotten a chance to shine in ways that they didn't always get Wonderly. on a regular yeah. basis uh, on the movie screen. The other thing is, too, is that old-time movie stars, old-time movie stars um, are getting an opportunity to cash in where they are still followed religiously and the idea that my mom and dad when they hear that Harrison Ford is going to be in a television show sign them up sure when Sylvester Stallone is going to be in a television show sign them up as soon as I saw that Anthony Hopkins was going to be in Westworld I was like well it doesn't matter and Ed Harris <laughs> these two people this will draw me in but I need the entire other storyline that they are just the the gravity underneath they're the landscape upon which you know these other actors can uh, can create the world. You know? So, as we said, uh, video games have given us a long form. The idea that it used to go from drop your quarter in and then steal another quarter from you. Now it's turned into give me $60 or maybe 90 or maybe 100 to get the bonus pack and all the other stuff that goes along with it. Create your avatar. You know. Sure, which is all character driven in the idea of what role playing games brought us is that it's it, often it's not just a one off like a film would be. It is a campaign. You build these characters who have backstories and you know where are they going and what are their destiny and what are your what are your motivations well, for being there? Why you are you going at, after this dragon besides just treasure and killing? You know. Well, here and here's the great crossover. Something personal about it. Here's you know? the great crossover right down to actually having D and D is a video game, if you look at the way you build a character in Fallout, if you look at the way you build a character in Elden Ring, and I go through countless sure, examples sure. of this, yeah. it's literally the same lineup as the character sheet yeah. from yeah, yeah, yeah. from Dungeons and Dragons, from Call of Cthulhu, from Warhammer. I can go on for a while with this. The reason I bring all this up is right around um, the mid... Um, I guess around you know the, the, the mid-teens uh, of, of this century. Um, video games took a, another leap forward, um, and that leap forward comes in the form of things like Uncharted, 
Bioshock, which Bioshock Infinite is the first video game to get a review on the front page of the New York Times' living section. Oh, um, wow. Dead Space. Um, and by the way, anybody right, listening, right. please contribute. Please let us know what you think. Please make comments. Red Dead Redemption. Red Dead Redemption. Huge. And Red Dead Redemption 2. Right. Which, by the which way. Which just blew up. You yeah, know, I mean, blows up. And, comes, and comes out at the exact same time as Westworld. All of this exactly. stuff is beginning that to mix. That was my point. The, yeah. one, the one thing that kept getting missed was the translation. That people kept trying to make movies of video games, whether it was Doom or Silent Hill or Mario Resident Brothers, Evil. Resident Evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a guilty pleasure for me. Some of them are guilty pleasures. Some sure. of them make a little bit of buck in the uh, in the Asian markets and in the uh, the European trash bag markets and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you laugh because you know exactly what markets I'm talking about. Right. But there's nothing that has been the same thing that Disney was able to accomplish of turning a ride into a successful movie franchise, as is the case of Pirates of the Caribbean. Until now. One of the most celebrated and well-reviewed video games of all time, one that I have played and enjoyed immensely. Uh, The Last of Us uh, recently had its debut. Yeah, and we all watched it (laughs) independently without talking to one another. And I'm just, you know, throwing up the old Google on it. It's got a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. That is insane. That and is critics from and people from, from people who watched the whole just series came out a few who, days ago, and from critics who actually had access to the whole series, including Peter Travers. I mean, you know, who's an sob who can be a real flamethrower when it comes to non-traditional forms. I of haven't seen as many friends on Facebook or otherwise that just kind of were like, "This is the best first thirty minutes. This is the best last thirty minutes of a first episode." And you know, it it shouldn't be somewhat surprising. The, the, I mean, it's Greg Spence, you know, this guy that produced the first two seasons, co-produced the first two seasons of Game of Thrones, you know, which are arguably two of the best seasons of the entire show. And Chernobyl's producers involved. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm simply saying that it, it just it just blew up. You know, it, it all of a sudden, you know, unless it takes a really hard, bad left turn somewhere, uh, but we know it, it's it off doesn't. to such a great launch. And it seems like, according to friends of mine, too, that they're really honoring the source material of the game and that if you know the game, then you're really enjoying this part of it. I know nothing about the game or the characters, but I felt very invited into the world, very curious immediately, very shocked immediately, which just hooks you in and. I, I cannot wait to see more, man. As, as a lover of the dystopian apocalyptic novels and and also the idea of fungal zombies, the only other one I know um, of that in, in, in the same uh, uh, way is The Girl with All the Gifts, that the zombies are specifically mushroom-driven. <laughs> they're, they're funguses, you know? Yeah, it's um, here's where it gets interesting, and we'll talk more in detail about the particulars of the episode. Uh, so we're going to have limited spoilers today for those of you who have neither played the game nor seen the show. Um, but part of the reason why a film like Uncharted didn't work was because one of the things that video games do even the most complex storytelling version. I mean, there's a game called Dead Space. Now, in the new version of it, they've added a voice for him. But in the original version, the creators did not want him to talk, meaning your avatar didn't. Everybody Mm -hmm. else talked to you. Right, right, right. People spoke to you. You, you You're not a deaf mute. Um, but you didn't talk because, in many ways, it was all an over-the-shoulder. 
Um, you, you saw him in full, but he was over the shoulder. And essentially, what a video game asks you to do is it asks you to enter into the character that you are playing and to put some part of yourself in it. Now, with Nathan Drake in, um, in Uncharted, which became a movie with Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg, um, he has more of a character in those video games. And what ends up happening is that we end up, though, giving him backstory we end up giving him realities. But a lot of that backstory and reality in the game is added over the course of three games. We learn more about him oh, as the I games see. go on. Right. The Last of Us does something that solves the problem in that it stays true to the source material. Because what The Witcher does, which, by the way, comes close to being a successful adaptation, and in many ways is because the fans love it. But the, even the fans understand that there is a lot of inside baseball that happens in the first like four or five <laughs> episodes. It takes you a while to catch up. What The Last of Us, I think, does is that it fleshes things out. And so without getting into spoiler alerts, the game begins when things go wrong. Sure. The yeah. game begins yeah, yeah. the night when things begin to go wrong. You with me? So that the little girl who is um, at the center of our main character, paid by Pedro, um, matter of fact, why don't you give the names of these people? Well, we got Pedro Pascal, who is, you know, the Mandalorian, <laughs> that all of a sudden is stepping into this uh, the, the, this lead role here in uh, The Last of Us, and, and Bella Ramsey, who is just, you know, just blows up out of uh, Game of Thrones, you know, just and just somebody that is too. like Rob Stark, and you're just like this little girl is Bear Island, you know, you've really you've grown to love her, and uh, she's she just 19. came out in uh, Birdie, she's, she's which 19. is uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I bo- mean, boy, she's, I hope I she's hope she just keeps right that look. Part, I hope she I keeps that look for a while because she deserves to make all the money she can off of being able to play, you know, anywhere from thirteen to eighteen, sure, um, which is terrific. But there is an opening scene uh, in the video game that begins essentially with a little girl going upstairs and watching the whole world unravel before her eyes. What The Last of Us does is it keeps the source material, meaning that stuff that happens at the beginning of the video game is intact, and the sequence that follows that, that you have to kind of navigate as the principal avatar, um, which is who Pedro plays, um, as you kind of navigate through that, it's all intact. But what they've done is they've breathed backstory into the front end of it. So we get about 10 to 15 minutes of what these people's life was like beforehand. Yeah. yeah In the yeah, video yeah. game, you don't need it. Because sure. you, as a player invest in those things. Of course. But in a show, show, we we get to feel some of that original connection and then some of that original pain of loss. And then it literally, 20 years later. Thanks for listening to a preview of this episode of Cargo Cult. Like what you heard? Hear more from Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn exclusively on the SiriusXM app. Subscribe today at SiriusXM.com.